Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. Open up your Bibles real quick to First um, Kings chapter 19. Um, I don't think I'm going to be able to get into um, relying on God's power, on God's presence, and on God's provision yet today again. If I do, then I will, and if I don't, then I won't, but it's okay. I feel like um, I wanted to finish um, our conversation about Elijah. And I wanted to come down here today, and I wanted to ask you guys questions. And I really, today's going to be a different Sunday. Any guest here, anyone here that's for the first time and you're a guest, amen. We just want to welcome you. Guest, amen. Anyone else? Guest, amen, 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 amen. We got a few guests, a few guests. Praise God. Um, I hope all of you have blue boxes. If you don't, well, we want to give you a blue box, and we want to welcome you. Did you get your blue box? Amen. Well, we're going to get you a blue box. And, um, and we just want to welcome you. We thank you uh, for being here. But with that said, today's going to be a, maybe a little bit different than all the other Sundays. So you either love it or you won't, or you might not, but who knows, but we'll see. I'm going to come down here today and I'm going to pass the mic around and we're going to make this very talkative. We're going to have a good discussion today. We're going to, I, I said last, I said last Sunday, I said, I feel like this is kind of like us just getting together and talking in the living room or talking amongst the kitchen table. So I kind of want to do that today. I kind of want to just get comfortable, take off our shoes. And get around the kitchen table. Just, we don't have no, no picadera here today. And no cafecito right now. But, but we'll still have a good time and get into this conversation or continue on this conversation of Elijah. I asked you guys to turn to uh, 1 Kings chapter 19 because that's where we were at last Sunday. If you weren't here last Sunday or if you're a guest, we want to really just invite you and, and, and welcome you to go to our app and download our app. And um, the reason why is because <clears throat> there's a message that we preached last Sunday, and it was titled, You're Not Done, Get Up and Eat. And if you weren't here last Sunday, I would love for you to go back and hear last Sunday's message because this message continues from where we were at last Sunday. It's an add-on. It's an addition to what we said last Sunday. So I, I feel like last Sunday is so important for you to hear. So if, you're, if you didn't hear last Sunday's and you're hearing today's, you have such an important homework assignment uh, to go back and, and listen to last Sunday's message. It's up and it's ready for you to listen to. You have an awesome opportunity to sit at your job during, a, during a, some off time or at home and write notes through the app and, and put some thoughts down. And, and I think that's a, 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 an awesome resource that we have. So today, <clears throat> I'm going to get into part two of You're Not Done, Get Up and Eat. And there's a subtitle to this. And the subtitle is What Are You Doing Here? What are you doing here? Um, we've done that before. We've asked that question before here. But you'll see why and where we're getting at. When we spoke last week, we spoke about the danger of losing hope. How many of you remember that? We spoke about hope and the danger of losing hope and, and the importance of not losing hope in our lives. When an individual loses hope in their lives, they, become, they could enter into great depths of uh, depression or anxiety. And their anxiety that leads to depression, then they could go to a very dark place where they end up like in a cave. Elijah literally ended up in a cave. You might not literally end up in a cave, but you might mentally end up in a cave. You might spiritually end up in a cave. You know? 
Um, I've been, have you ever been in moments where you're in such a place where just your head is pounding? That's a lot of nods there. You've been in a cave where your head is just like, I can't even think a clear thought, though I want to. Have you ever been in a place where you've taken a deep breath and it feels so good? It's so much fun to take deep breaths. But have you ever been there on a day where it's even hard to take in a deep breath? Just to breathe, it hurts you? You've probably been in a cave. You've probably dealt with this issue of hope and losing hope, lost of all hope. I think if you're here today, you have not lost all hope. There's still hope that you're holding on to. Amen? If there's someone that's listening today, I feel like, um, like they're holding on to some hope. And we were reminded of this stuff. We, we visited the, the life of Elijah. And we looked at 1 Kings chapter uh, 19 specifically, but we also uh, summarized chapter 17 and 18. So, you, so read those chapters when you get home. Read chapter 17, 18, and 19. And um, all of this last week going into today, we're, re- we're reminding us that we're not done. And we said to get up and eat. And what does that mean, we're not done, to get up and eat? And you really have to go back. I can't re-preach that. And you have to go back and listen to it. But I, I asked you to turn to uh, 1 Kings 19. The reason being is because let's just read it together again. And read through the text so you could see where we're at, where we're going with this. Because a lot of today's conversation, conversation based off this text. So we're going to have a good time. Look at someone say we're going to have a good time. <laughs> All right. Why wouldn't we? <clears throat> Chapter 19, verse 1 says, when Ahab got home, if you remember, um, Elijah just called fire from heaven, destroyed the prophets of Baal. Ahab went running for his life. And he actually told him, hurry, Ahab, go home. It's going to rain. I'm calling out the drought. And um, you'll, you'll understand it if you go back and you listen to last week's. And Ahab goes home and he tells his wife everything that this prophet Elijah just did. So we're in verse 1. Ahab got home. He told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. She said, may the gods strike me. That's already where she's wrong. She said, we're the gods. And um, the reality is Elijah was standing for the God. May the gods strike me and even kill me. If by this time tomorrow, I have not killed you just as you've killed them. Them is the prophets of Baal, if you remembered the prophets of Baal. Verse 3, Elijah was afraid, and he fled for his life, and he went to Beersheba, a town in Judah. And he left his servant there, and he went on alone in the wilderness, traveling all day. And he sat down under a solitary broom tree, and he prayed there that he might die. Remember all that? And this is what he said, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors, my fathers right before me, who've already died. Verse 5, then he laid down, he slept under this tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. And he looked around, and beside him on his head were some bread baked of hot stones and a jar of water. Yours might say some cake. So he ate and he drank and he laid down yet again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him, verse 7, and says, Get up and eat some more, but the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And there he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord, everyone say, but the Lord. Lord. Yeah. So he... 
So two times the angel touches him and says, eat, right, get up and eat. He runs, for, he, get, he finds strength in this nourishment, and he runs to um, the mountain of God here, Mount Sinai. And as he gets there for 40 days and 40 nights traveling, he arrives at this location, and the Lord says to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? <laughs> Don't tell me what I'm doing here. I just traveled for 40 days and 40 nights, and you're going to ask me what I'm doing here? What are you doing here? So Elijah replied, I have zealously served. I have passionately served. I have served with my whole heart. You guys get it. <clears throat> the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel, they've broken your covenant, the covenant with you. They've torn down the altars and they've killed every one of your prophets. Is that true? What did you learn last week? Is that true? No. no. How many more were left? I'm, I, I got 7,000 more friends of yours waiting. Got a lot of friends waiting for you. It's not over. Every one of your prophets, I'm the only one left. Man, when we are in a dark place, does that not sound right? I'm the only one. And now they're all trying to kill me too. Look at verse 11. He says, go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And Elijah stood there and the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. Say it was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake and the Lord was not in the earthquake. Say not in the earthquake. So beautiful. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, and the Lord was not in the fire. Say, not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. A, what does yours say? A still, small voice. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Say, a gentle whisper. That's where he was. And the voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? I had an awesome conversation with a friend that goes to another church that he heard the podcast. And he's been challenged in his walk and he hears our podcast a lot. He goes to a, a church with our, where a lot of our friends go to that church. And he said something to me. He said, you know, I heard your podcast and it's crazy because I was going to preach the same message when my pastor asked me that I might preach. And he said, you know, God was ministering to me about his name in this passage. It's the name Yahweh, the name of God. And when you say the name Yahweh... It's a name that comes with a whisper. You say, yeah, yeah. So he says that in his anxiety, he would go at 2 or 3 in the morning and he would go out and he would be in his backyard just hitting like golf balls and stuff like that. 2 or 3 in the morning. And he would catch himself. This is a true story. I just had this conversation with my friend and he's hitting golf balls at 3 in the morning. And all he's doing is going, yeah. And he says that the gentle whisper of the name of Yahweh would help him deal with his anxiety. And I think that's beautiful, you know, that the name of God is not like a screaming name. But it's, it's, it's the root of it comes from a, you have to start it off with like a, a very gentle place, Yahweh, you know. And, and it, that just ministered to me. And I said, oh, that, that's beautiful, you know. I heard of that but never really related this to that. And thank you for sharing that. So, so a gentle whisper, Yahweh speaks to him and says, when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face with his cloak. He went out to the entrance of the cave, and the voice said, what are you doing here? It was a whisper. And then again he replies, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. And then he says the same thing. The people have broken your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They've killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. I love verse 15. I love verse 15. Yes, I do, because 15 says this. Then the Lord says, back, says to him, go Back, the same way you came, 
and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive there, anoint Hazel to be the king of Aram, so on and so forth. And he has to anoint him. He's going to anoint Elisha. He's going to anoint Jehu. Now, this is crazy. He's traveling, and the Lord says what? Go back. Let's talk about this a little bit, and let's see what God wants to do with us here today. Because I really felt, I didn't want to hurry this. I felt there was more, that there was more um, relativeness in our hearts to this passage. And, 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 and I felt um, there was a response last week, but I, I didn't believe God was done, not for once. He was, he was not done. So when the messenger of the Lord appears to Elijah... He appears to the messenger of the Lord, not Jezebel, which is the angel, right? The angel of God. He appears to Elijah more than once. And more than once, he tells him, as he's, and he's sleeping under a tree, under the shade of a tree. And where's Elijah at during this moment? Elijah's lost. Elijah's lost. You might feel like, oh, why would you say that? Trust me, he's lost. He's not, he's not at the place of, of, assur- of assurance of where he was at just a moment ago. He's at a lost place. Elijah is actually discouraged here. You remember last Sunday I said I believe that what was his main issue was that Elijah was disappointed. He was fully disappointed. Did you notice that as we read the story, his reply to the Lord was never about Jezebel? We read that story and we think, oh, my God, Elijah is like perplexed because Jezebel said that. No, he's not. He went straight to what? I haven't stopped serving you with all my heart and the people continue to do, 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 do. It was a place of disappointment, not a place of a fear of this woman. And, and I like how the rest of the scripture is, is so important to that, to that understanding there. And he's disappointed. He just experienced moments of great victory in chapter 17 and chapter 18. And instantly now he takes himself to a position where he is defeated. Where he's defeated and, and he's praying, as we've learned last week, he's praying for his death. Can you imagine being at such a place where you've come to that. And that's where a lot of people get to. <clears throat> they come to a place where they start to think about death. When the Lord says what? I didn't come to what? To do that. But I came to bring what? Life. So the Lord comes to bring life. But we get in such a dark place that now we start to think different than the Lord thinks. The Lord wants to speak life. But what we begin to speak in our dark places is we begin to speak death. And that's important for us to know. That's important for us to realize that if you know someone or you yourself are in a dark place and the words that are coming out, the thoughts that are coming out is death, you're automatically thinking away from God's mind. You're thinking different than the way God thinks. God thinks life and you're thinking death. Here is Elijah and he's taken to a place where not just is he thinking death, but he's praying for his death. Some people get to the place now where they what? Take steps to execute their death. And they go through with it. Elijah didn't go through with it, but he was thinking it. Elijah didn't go through with it, but he was praying for it. We, we see other people in the Bible that have done it. I mean, Judas, the very one that, that hung out with Jesus. For, 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 he should have he showed remorse and, and forgiveness and ran and said, forgive me. But instead, he goes to the field that he bought with the money from betraying Jesus. And he commits suicide at that field. He comes to a place of death. I believe that God could have still forgiven Judas. He could have still restored him. How can you say that? He's the one that gave him the kiss of betrayal. Because at the same time, on the last breath, the man on the cross was being forgiven. At the same time, the very Paul who was murdering Christians is forgiven. I mean, it's God's heart to bring life. Okay, we see that in Scripture. And, 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 and here is Elijah, and he finds himself 
praying for death. He finds himself in a position of defeat. Elijah, please write this down, he finds no strength in himself. I'm sure that in a room like this, with a group like this, there's individuals in here that says, I, I am in a season, I am in a moment, I am in a time in my life where I find no strength in me. I, I feel like there is no strength. But that is such a lie because you decided to turn off your phone when it rang this morning or your alarm and get dressed and you maybe showered and you probably ate breakfast and you brushed your teeth and you drove over here and you sat here through worship and now you're sitting here through the word. I'm telling you that there's more strength in you than you even think because you, you ended up here. Oh, I just feel like there's no more strength. No, no, man. There's something God is doing there that he still woke you up another day and got you dressed and got you here. So when you thought you were at your weakest place, God says, right, but I'm going to reveal this truth to you that when you're at your weakest, I am at my strongest. Perfect strength comes in your weakness. And maybe it's the individual that has to get the place of good. This is exactly where God wants me because he will not be able to execute his great strength in me until I humble myself in great weakness. I need to understand that away from him, I am nothing. So here I am, your humble servant before your feet so that your strength could come because everything about me is just weak. And then their weakness starts to become strong and conversations begin to change and the way we think begins to change the way we breathe begins to change the way we live begins to change and and here is Elijah Elijah just calls fire from heaven and rain to fall after a drought of three years he calls fire and rain all in the same day I mean that's good he calls fire and rain on the same day it's been it has, it's been dried for three years three years you know what that means for farmers you know what that means for food there's no crops. The, everything's brown and ugly. And, 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 and he says, Ahab, go back home. On your way home, it's going to start raining. And, and, I mean, five minutes before, he just caught fire from heaven. I mean, this guy's amazing. He's calling rain, fire. He's able to, so important, he's able to appear strong. He's able to appear strong and do mighty works in the supernatural, but he appears weak and faithless in the physical and natural state of his own life. I called fire and rain, but now I'm under a tree asking for the Lord to kill me. The supernatural, I looked mighty and strong, but when you really get to the root issue of who I am, I'm under a tree, I'm begging to die. Why? Remember yet last week what I said about winning publicly and winning privately. So does this say something to us where he is faithless and weak in the physical state of his life? Before I ask you a question, so that's the first question to start having you thinking. Does this say something to us? Because here's some thoughts for a moment. It is possible to do great things for God and it is possible to do great things in God. Kind of learned that here. Doing great things for God and doing great things in God. While yet battling with our own true selves. It's possible. It's possible that God gives you a platform to be used. While yet there's an internal battle with myself going on. Okay. I want us to make sure that we know this. That it is possible to win in someone else's life. But lose in your own life. I don't know how many minutes. I say five minutes just as a play on words. But five minutes before, 
he caused fire from heaven, and the children of Israel who were worshiping a false god, Baal, sees that their god shows up. And what do they do? They fall to the floor, and they begin to worship the god of Elijah, the god of Israel. Okay? Elijah, at that moment, began, Elijah won in their lives. But in the same moment that he's winning in their lives, he's running with disappointment on their tree, asking for death. So you could win in someone else's life and yet say, why are you over there losing in your own personal life? So important. Why is that? I think that's all part of God's grace, to be honest with you. Did you guys understand that? I believe in God's grace, actually. I really do. I believe God loves them so much that he'll use the fool if he has to. (laughs) God loves them so much that he'll use the fool if he has to. Not because the fool is worth anything, but because they're worth so much. And when the fool goes back over here, he'll still deal with the fool because he loves him as well. But he'll use the man in that platform if he has to because he's got to still touch the heart of the people that he loves. People always ask me, how come those pastors were hiding some of those things and yet they had some beautiful churches? I said, because God loves those people. So for two years they were hiding things because God was trying to save that probably for two years. Like we don't think like that sometimes. Wait a minute, don't cause, don't ask, don't pray for just destruction because there's people in there that God really loves. So he'll keep using that person Hopefully that person will come to his senses, but, but if not, he'll deal with him. And, and I think it's so important because here we are, right, where, where you have strength and you're able to do the miraculous before others and for others, and yet you yourself are weak and you're hopeless, where you find yourself without strength in yourself, strength for yourself. Listen to this. Write this down in your notes, huh? You are strength for others. But you can find strength for yourself. Hey, that's good, man. You're the one they call. You're the one they text. You're the one they ask to hang out with. You are strength for others. But are you, can you find strength for yourself? That's a very important place. If, why am I saying this? Because I want to kind of highlight that area of your life if you're not finding strength for and in yourself. Because you're giving all this energy, you're giving all this counsel, you're giving all your time to individuals, but, but where is the strength for yourself? Listen, Elijah can stand before the most powerful king of the land and call a three-year drought to end or to start. And he could stand before the king and his mighty men and call for fire from heaven. Did you guys notice that? Elijah could do things like that, but Elijah can't stand before himself and find strength to keep going. How does a man say, fire, or King Ahab, go home, the rain's going to start after three years, and then yet he can't speak life into himself. He's speaking life to the land. It's going to rain again, and it begins to rain, and he goes under a tree, and he says, kill me. Did you, did you see that? He is speaking life. He's the, he, is, he is the world's hope, but then he's speaking death. He finds no hope for himself. How many of you Christians, Christ followers, are a hope to someone. You're an encouragement to someone. You do life alongside someone. Whether they are a Christian themselves or they're not. You talk to them at work. You give them some sort of advice. You 
pray for them. You hug them because they're struggling. And you are this light. You are this beam. They thank you. They tell you things like, you're like my miracle. You're like my, you're like my Christian friend. They say all these cute little things about you, and it's good. But, then, but, then, but, but what happens now when, when you get home and you turn off the lights and you get in your bed? What are the things that you, I know what you just spoke to them, and I get what they just spoke about you. But what are you speaking to yourself, and what are you saying about yourself? This is important because this is what Elijah was going through. And I believe that this is important because I think that this is what we are a lot, a lot of us are going through. What does it say? Elijah can't stand before himself and he can't find strength. So here's a question. Here's a question. Why couldn't Elijah find strength in himself? Why couldn't Elijah? Anyone's, anyone, anyone, any, any answer is right. There is no wrong answer. We read this text. We Went over some introductory stuff right now. Why couldn't Elijah, you think, find strength for himself? I'll start with you, my man. He had no hope. He had no hope. Relying on himself. Huh? Relying on himself. Relying, okay. Relying on himself. Elijah could find no hope. No hope, no hope, no hope, no hope. Why couldn't Elijah find any hope? He needed to encourage himself in the Lord and renew his mind. Okay. Anyone else? Why do you feel Elijah couldn't find no hope? These are all good answers. He was empty. He was empty. He was empty. Anyone else? He's what? Disappointed. I heard something over here. Lack of confidence in himself. So good. All these things might be right answers, actually. Why couldn't Elijah find strength in himself? Confused. All right. Go, go back to that text for a second. Go back to, uh, first, uh, go to verse 10. Anyone in verse 10, read it, read it out loud. Read, uh, who wants to read verse 10 out loud? Okay, I'm going to call on one of you. If no one, no one gives it. <laughs> Come on, we're, doing, we're eating in the living room. We're, we're, we're having discussion over the kitchen table. Who wants to read verse 10 out loud? Anyone, verse 10 out loud? Verse 10 out loud? All right, All right verse 10 out loud. Listen to this. Uh, he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Did, did everyone hear that? Go back to, now go to 14 now. The Lord asks him again, what are you doing here? What's going on? What are you doing here? And now in verse 14, here's how he answers again. He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Okay, how many times did he give um, the Lord the answer? Two times. Was there something different in the answer, or was, the, was it the identical answer? Did everyone get the identical answer? I believe that's because he was so rooted in that answer already. He was rooted in that answer. He didn't change his answer around. Like He was sure in his answer. His mind was fixed on that answer. It wasn't like, oh, you said something different the first time I asked. You know, that's what you do, right? When you want to question people, you ask the question a little bit different to see if you could get a lie coming out of them. To see if you could get a different answer. So, so the Lord is messing with him in a sense. What are you doing over here? And then he comes over here in the cave. What are you doing now over here? And on both encounters, he, he answers the same exact way. I believe there's reason for that. He's so fixed on his answer. And the Lord says, all right, you're fixed on it. And I want you to understand that. My question was this. What... Why couldn't Elijah find strength in himself? And in verse 10 through 14, we see that this is the answer he gives. Two times. Two times the, the Lord asks, what are you doing here? 
And the identical answer is, I've been working my whole, I've been working with all my heart, oh God. I've been working my heart out for you, God. Zealously, passionately, my heart out for you. The, number two, the people of Israel have abandoned your covenant, destroyed the places of worship, and murdered your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me. What's wrong here? What's wrong here? What's wrong with those two answers? Huh? It's all about himself? It's about him and not the Lord? Did someone else catch anything different? Lisette. She put, man, that's good. I just think that he put his hope on the people. The people that I've been leading all this time. The people that I've been their prophet this whole time. These are the same people that they just saw fire from my words, fire come down. From my words, they saw rain come down. And these same people are not going to turn their back and worship another God and not our God again. He, he's, he's disappointed because he's hoping others. You ever been disappointed because of you put hope in someone else? This is so important, verses 10 through 14. And I ask, what's wrong here? And you guys are giving these answers. What's wrong here? What's wrong here? Well, I think we're able to say that Elijah enters this place of hopelessness, this place of weakness. Because of all these things that you guys are saying, and notice this, that his eyes were set, his eyes were set on what he was doing and on what other people were not doing. His eyes were on me and them. I've been working with my whole heart for you, O oh God. The people have abandoned. I am the only one left. They are trying to kill me. Notice the words. Words are so important when they come out of people's mouths. Because when someone speaks from their mouth, they're speaking from their heart. They're speaking from their heart. Now, they might have, our heart is desperately wicked and we might have messed up and we have to ask for forgiveness. You should forgive the person. Because you're just as fault if you can't surpass them. Whatever, that's a whole other teaching. That's not. I've been working my heart out. The people have abandoned. I'm the only one left. They're trying to kill me. <laughs> this is what I wrote down in all bold. Ready? This is what I'm doing. This is what others are not doing. And the Lord may just simply be asking, but Elijah, what am I doing? This is what I've done. This is what they've done. And the Lord's like, you haven't mentioned me. What have I done? What am I doing? I, I, you mentioned them, but what am I doing? And, 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 and the, your eyes have been on what you're doing, and your eyes have been on what others are doing, but you lost perspective. You, you, you lost vision. You've lost understanding. Have you walked this walk and come to a place where you've lost vision before? You've lost perspective before. If you come to this place in your walk where, where you've just lost understanding, you know that the root of bitterness and all that stuff starts to creep in. You know, where, you know who I'm talking to, if that's you. And there's just no clarity anymore in your eyes. And I think there's something so important here in Elijah and God's conversation. You've taken your eyes off and you have failed to see, Elijah, what I'm doing. I get what you've done. I get what they've done or have not done. But have you even noticed what I'm doing? This happens so quick in our lives. Just like it happens, how, how fast does it happen in Elijah's life? <laughs> Instantly. I mean, 
fire, Lord, kill me. In the matter of the same moment, fire, rain, Lord, kill me. I'm, I want to die. Instantly it happens in Elijah's life. It happens quick and it's very easy. Listen, that we take our eyes off the Lord and we lose, we lose hope in what he's doing and we set our eyes to find hope. This is what Lisette was saying. We find hope in what others do and may not be doing. And that becomes very discouraged when you're called to do something. But your hope is that in the call that the other person has, and they're not executing it correctly, you get all bummed out about it. And you allow it to weigh you down. And you take it upon yourself like it's your fault. Or you take it upon yourself like it's, wow, look, they just don't care. And you just start allowing disappointment to grow up inside of you. And that, that is a very important part of Elijah's life. That quick it happens. You set your eyes to find hope in what we are and what we do and how we can do things and how others and how others do things, how others don't do things. And there's a few things that I really want to mention in this story and I find it very important. Listen, two times the angel of the Lord touches him under the tree and he says, get up and eat. Say, say it with me. Get up and eat. Say it again. Say it again. Get up and eat. So he, he does. He, he gets up and eats. And, and when he gets up and eats, what does he do? He finds what? Strength. He gets up and eat. Let's go to verse 8. Anyone go to verse 8? Who wants to read verse 8 and 9 out loud? Verse 8 and 9 out loud, out loud, out loud, out loud. Verse 8 and 9 out loud. Check this out, guys. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to the cave where he spent the night. And there he what? He came? He came to a cave where he spent the night. So, so he eats, he travels 40 days, 40 nights. He finds himself now in this cave, in this mountain. He finds strength to get there in verse 8 and 9. Um, is there anything there that you noticed right off the bat as she was reading that and as you read it as well? He finds strength in food. He goes back to the mountain of God and he starts to hide in the cave. Did something stick out to you? Nothing stuck out to you guys? Good, because I'm going I'm to tell you what stuck out to me. Anyone want to take a guess of something that might have stuck out? Ariel? He what? He ate and drank. Okay, good. What else? Did anyone else catch anything? He traveled 40 days. Mountain of God. He went in strength. Wait, he got strengthened, but he still went back to a cave, he said. Is there anything to be noticed here? So important. All right, we stopped at verse 9. Can you just go all the way now to verse 13? Keep reading. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing? Do I keep it started off with what are you doing? And it ends again with what are you doing? 
What are you doing? Elijah finds strength to travel. But the problem that I asked, I said, is there anything here that you noticed? Here's, here's the problem. The problem was in the question that God was asking him. What are you doing here? Did you notice anything? What are you doing here, Elijah? The problem lies in that question. What are you doing here, Elijah? Remember last week when I said um, God told Adam, Adam, where are you? The problem lies in the question in what God is saying. Where are you? It has nothing to do that Adam is hiding good from God. And Adam, um, God is just doing a bad job in finding Adam. No, it has everything to do with where Adam is at. This has everything to do with the problem of where Elijah is at. The problem is within the question, what are you doing here? So, so before we answer this, I, I have some questions for you. How many of you today, right now, right now in this moment, need the strength of the Lord at this moment? Think about that. Thank you. I see a lot of hands. So, so right now, many of us are saying, I need the strength of the Lord at this moment. There's a reason why I asked that question. What do you need his strength for? You just admitted, sorry for putting you on the spot. I told you churches are just going to be a little bit different today. But, but you just admitted that you needed the strength of the Lord. So the only right thing to do as your leader is to ask you, what do you need strength for then? Come on, who's willing to open up about that? Okay. To do everything. Is there something specific? Like, Lord, I need strength today. What do you need, Jenny? I'm just tired. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, what? Everything. Everything. I'm probably that's what you're talking about. Just, I need them every day because I get tired. Every day is a new day. Every day. I said, I said, I asked this question, I don't want to ask it wrong. I said, how many of you need the strength of the Lord at this moment? And then a lot of our hands were, well, what exactly do you need his strength for? I'm, I'm wondering if, some, if a wife in here would say, I just need strength to really love my husband better. Because that would really just blow this whole place up. Like, ooh, she got real personal right there. Because we could be very vague with the answer. But I'm wondering, like, I, I just, I really just wish I could just um, um, deal with this sin of blank. And they're like, whoa, you know, you kind of really just opened up there in front of everyone. And that's a beautiful thing. I said, I said, what is it that we need strength for at this moment? What do you need his strength for? And some of you guys are answering it. But I want you to take notice here. I want you to notice here. He eats. He goes for 40 days and 40 nights. He finds himself at the place where he needed, where he was going, where he needed to go. And when he gets there, he gets there. There's a question from the Lord saying what? I just strengthened you. You only got here because I gave you food. And now that you're here, what are you doing here? He could have, he could have answered, you're the one that gave me food. I'm here because you gave me to eat. He just got there 40 days and 40 nights, some 250 miles walking. He got there 40. I mean, guys, this is a trip. This is not just a flight of 10 hours. This is a 40-day, 40-night travel from the strength of the Lord. And when he gets at the end of his traveling from the strength of the Lord, the Lord says, what are you doing here? You still, I saw you travel. I saw you get strength, but you still haven't answered my question. What are you doing here? My God, I just spent all this time traveling, and you have the audacity to ask me what I'm doing here. Come on. What are you doing here? The Lord 
wants to strengthen you. But not for you to get where you want to get to. The Lord wants to strengthen you to get you where he wants to get you. Come on, you could give God some praise for that. At least that one. Because the whole question is, the whole question is, I saw that you ate. I saw that you got visitation from angels. And I saw that you ate from my cake that I baked in heaven. And I gave you water from the book Corinth. But now that you've traveled 40 days and 40 nights, the great question is, what are you doing here? And all he could say is the same thing. It's your people. It's everything I've done. And the answer is, you got where you wanted to go. But my whole reason for strengthening you is so I can get you where I want you to go. I asked you a question. I said, what do you need strength for? Right now at this moment, is it to get you where you want to go? Or is it to get you where he wants you to go? Two different answers. Some of you guys are going to continue living in that weakness because if he strengthens you, you're going to continue in the rut that you find yourself in. But the problem is you got to find strength so you can get to the place where he needs to get you. Oh, man. What are you doing here? I just ate, man, 40 days ago. Thank you. It was good. He goes, you're still wrong, though, because I never told you to come. How many of you are doing things? How many of you are at a place? How many of you are thinking of, and yet God has not stamped that or given you authority of that? Even when people ask me to preach in certain places, I don't automatically just say yes. Because it could be where I might want to go, but it might not be where he wants me to go. Think about that for a moment. What are you doing here, Elijah? Well, I already told you twice, you know. This is the reason. (laughs) This is why my life kind of sucks right now. He's like, no. You've always wanted to get to where you wanted to get to. And I, the Lord, want to strengthen you to get you where I want to get you. So listen to this. Please, church, if you need the strength of the Lord today, make sure it's to respond in obedience to him and not obedience to yourself and to your flesh. Amen. Hallelujah. Because we could find a hundred things of what's not wrong of Elijah being at Mount Sinai, at the cave. We could find a hundred things that are not wrong, but we could find the one main thing that is totally wrong. God still didn't tell him to go there. He still went away from where God did not come. Did you notice that he ate and immediately he just left? And nowhere in the text of scripture does it say, and the Lord told him to go to the mountain of Sinai. Did anyone notice that? That's the question when I said, did anyone catch anything that happened there? When we read those verses. That's what you should have caught. That he went traveling to a place where the Lord never told him to travel. Guess who got in a lot of trouble now? Elijah did. Because guess what God's going to tell him now? You messed up. How many of you know consequences are consequences? You messed up. I I didn't mess it up. You messed up. So guess what you're going to have to do now? Go back the same way. You guys, go to verse 15 with me. I'm not, make, I'm not making this up. Go to verse 15. Who wants to read verse 15? Verse 15? I'm has a bold voice. Verse 15. <clears throat> then the Lord said to him, go and return by the way you came to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, 
you are to anoint Hazel as king over Aram. That's good. So, so he finds himself now saying, go therefore and, and go back, go back the same way you came. No one told you to come over here. Go back the way you came. <laughs> but don't you love the word? Or is it just me just having a good time this morning with the, with the word? You just go back the way you came. What, what is he telling him? You go back and you pick up where you left off at. You go pick up your call again. You anoint the man that I tell you to anoint. You anoint the one who will become your successor. You successor. You go back the same way you came. And what does he have to travel to again? He found himself at that place. And now he has to go back to that place. Because God may never call you out of the place called the wilderness. <laughs> go back the same way you place. And when you go, go check out the wilderness again. He'd send them back to the wilderness. How many of you know that Jesus went to the wilderness? All over scripture, God's do, dealing with someone and every single person that God's dealing, they're in the wilderness. How many of you are in the wilderness? Oh, man, praise God, man, embrace that wilderness. Let's talk about the wilderness for a moment. Go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness. But I just spent, right, this is just me now, but thinking. But I just spent 40 days and 40 nights getting here. You know how much miles I put in my car? Mind you, and there is no car in this day. You know what this does to my camel? To my donkey, if I had one? You know what this does to my feet? You know how expensive these leather straps are? You know? I got blisters on my foot. I just spent 40 days and 40 nights getting here. No, no, Elijah, no. You spent 40 days and 40 nights wasting time. What you just did wasn't what I called you to do. What you just did was what you called yourself to do. And all that you did was you just wasted time. See, the children of Israel, just like Elijah, did the same thing. What could have taken them some 11 days, everyone say that. (laughs) To get from Egypt to the promised land takes them 40 years of disobedience. 11 days, 40 years, doesn't make any sense. The children of Israel did the same thing. They spent 40 years in the wilderness, wasting time, wasting time. Everyone say wasting time. But you're going to like this part. Wasting time until the next generation rose up and conquered in a moment what the prior generation couldn't do for 40 years. Wow. What I called you to do, you couldn't do it in 40 years. But watch this. I'm going to raise up your children. And your children are going to do in one moment what you couldn't handle in 40 years. My God. See, disobedience will cause us to miss that the wilderness. Please hear all this because this is where my message is and then we're ending it. Cause us to miss that the wilderness is God's path to the promised land. The wilderness, the, okay, no, let me scratch that how I said that. The promised land is attached to the wilderness. You can't get to a promised land without connection to the wilderness. The only way that the promised land will ever be effective and whatever, you'll ever have the green light of entering it, it's once you've embraced the lifestyle and the living inside the wilderness. The wilderness, man, the, the, the promised land comes, but it comes from the place of the wilderness. I have a promised land for you, um, Israel. I have a promised land for you, Elijah. But you need to go back to where I sent you. Go back to the wilderness. And the wilderness habitation, please listen to this, becomes painful and hard when we're operating in disobedience. When we are in disobedience, the wilderness is horrible. When we are in obedience, the wilderness is a dance in the field. 
The wilderness habitation becomes hard and painful in disobedience because we don't see the wilderness, listen to this, as God's crushing ground not to destroy us but to re-identify us. The wilderness is God's crushing ground, like the grapes that get crushed in the wine press. Man, to re-identify that from the crushing comes something of great value. But until obedience is not walked in the crushing, man, you'll never see the value that comes from it at the end. You'll always feel the pain of the crushing, but you'll never feel the joy of the identity from the crushing. Elijah, go back and find the wilderness. Why? Because you left your identity there. Well, how, do, how do you know that? Because you wouldn't be in this cave wasting time. People that don't have identity waste time. We don't see the wilderness as God's country. The children of Israel, listen, listen, were enslaved for right, some 500 years, enslaved by Egypt, enslaved. And there is no way, God is saying, I could take the children of Israel into the promised land with what? With that slave mentality. Did you understand that? Because I want to make sure I'm clear on that. They were enslaved for hundreds of years, and there's no way that I could get you to the promised land if you're going to go into the promised land with the same enslaved mentality. So what do I do, God, so that I don't go to the promised land with the same enslaved mentality? I know what to do. Hang out in the wilderness for a little while. Why? Because your mentality is going to change in the wilderness, if you let me. If you let me. Okay. So I needed the wilderness to serve them as a benefit, God says, and as a blessing, not a curse. How many of you see your wilderness as a curse? Okay, don't raise your hand. If you do, you're probably in disobedience. How many of you are seeing your um, wilderness as a blessing? You're probably living in obedience. <laughs> so beautiful. Love that. So in the wilderness, they can learn to what? Eat and drink again. Why? Find your sonship again. Find your sonship identity. Listen, they don't belong to the Egyptians or any other nation, but now they come to understand that they belong to me. That's what the wilderness was for. What was the wilderness for? You're freed from Egypt. And what do we do now? Watch this. Build me a house called the tabernacle. And I'm going to show you what we're going to do now. He takes them away from their house to send them to the wilderness to build his house. What is that called? Re-identification. I I robbed you from your old house to establish a new house in your midst. And where is it all going to happen? In the place called the wilderness. Moses, come up to the mountain. I got to tell you some stuff that you need to tell some of those knuckleheads. I'm going to build them a house that I'm going to reign in. I'm going to build myself a dwelling place. I could, oh, my God. They were a people that lived in a place for hundreds of years. And they never felt like they belonged. Did you know that? They lived in Egypt for hundreds of years. And not one day did they ever feel like, oh, this is home. We belong here. They were treated as slaves, not as sons. So what is God doing? I'm taking them to a place where they will learn that they do belong. And that they're no longer slaves to other masters. But now they're sons to one master. I'll teach them what it is to have a father that loves them. This is probably the most important part. I'll teach them in the wilderness. Everyone say in the wilderness. Oh, Lord, revelation. What it is to have a father that loves them and desires for them to love him back and walk in obedience. Not a master that beats them and terrorizes them, bringing fear that will cause them to walk in obedience. What, did you hear what I just said? Here's what I just said. Ready? Because then it's an obedience born from fear when God requires an obedience born from love. The 
hundreds of years, they were obedient to the Egyptians because of fear. God took them to the wilderness so that they could learn how to be obedient because of love. How many of you live in obedience because of fear and God might be stripping you from that so you could start living in obedience from love? Born out of love. Obedience will allow us to embrace the wilderness. Where the wilderness habitation remains painful and hard yet still. But it's well worth it. Because there is where the slave to false identity dies. And the son of father identity begins to revive. Elijah, what? are you doing here? What does he tell him next? Go back the same way you came. What is he telling him? Let's start at the wilderness. Why? Why would God tell him let's start at the wilderness, Elijah, yet again? Because let obedience, Elijah, let obedience be born out of love. Let it be born out of love and let it come out of you. I want to strengthen you, Elijah, but not to get you where you want to get to. I want to strengthen you to get you where I want to get you. How many of you could say amen? amen. Let's sing a song to the Lord today, huh? Maybe you're feeling of hopelessness, and maybe you're feeling of loss, of strength today. It can be this simple this simple right here. Let's, let's end this and let's do, a real, um, let's do a real checkup here in the heart, in our gut. Maybe you're feeling of hopelessness in your life. You're not letting him. You're not letting him take you to where he wants to take you. How many of you feel hopeless? How many of you feel lost? How many of you feel pain? And it might just be from this simple question, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And the answer to that is what? I'm not letting you. I'm not letting you take me to where you want to take me. This is what I want you to do. If you want to stand, you can stand. You're allowed to. But I really feel that God was not done last week. I still feel he's not done right now. There's still a whole message of provision and power and presence but it's in the middle of all of this passage that we just read but come on you know who you are the Lord is asking you this question today what are you doing here how many of you need to come to that place where you find in the wilderness an obedience that is born out of love so that finally you could get to the place where he needs to get you place where he wants to take you to come on how many of you spent 40 days 40 nights how many of you spent and wasted time walking the wrong direction you thought it was the good place to go because it was the mountain of God but what you forgot to mention is that the whole earth belongs to God not just the mountain Elijah went to the place that he thought he was going to hear from God and what he didn't he failed to see was that you don't need a mountain to hear from God you are the mountain that I speak to. You are the place in what I speak to. 
I want to get you to the, I want to get you to where I need you to get to. I need you to walk in obedience. I, I need you to find hope again. I need you to find strength again. Come on, it's not over. Get up and eat. Say, so you could get to where I need you to get to. It's not over. Get up and eat. Let's sing a song. This altar is open. If that's you today, and you went to the wrong mountain, and today you need to go back to the wilderness, you've heard from God today and you need obedience today, don't even think about it. Run to this altar. Get on your knees. Begin to cry out to God. We're going to pray for you today. And we're going to come alongside and believe that, that our God is such a good God. That he's going to grace you and love you and strengthen you. And that when you get up from this place, that you would walk into the places where he's calling you to walk into. An obedience that is born from love, not from fear. So as we sing... If you need to come up here for prayer, this word spoke to you. There's nothing else I can say, but let the Holy Spirit have its way. Have his way right now in your life. In Jesus' name.